welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday service held on November 13th, 2022. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk. Let us pray. Ever-living God, we remember those whom you have gathered from the storm of war into the peace of your presence. May that same peace calm our spheres, bring us justice to all peoples, and establish harmony among the nations. Amen. We'll now sing our opening song, Be Still and Know the Time God. Trusting in God's forgiveness. Let us in silence confess our failings and acknowledge our part in the pain of the world. The reading is from Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 to 25. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth 
the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at 100 years will be considered a youth and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are not yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Gospel is Luke chapter 21, verses 5 to 19. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another all will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them, when you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediate, immediately. Then he said to them, 
Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and the wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. This is the gospel, good news for all. Good morning. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for the gift of your word. And as we reflect on these things, open our hearts and our minds to hear your word to us. Amen. So I wonder what was your reaction when you saw today's uh, gospel reading which we've just had with its extreme language about cataclysmic events and persecution of Christians. Did you want to run a mile? Um, I did uh, when I looked at it to preach on it. Um, what does that have to do with uh, comfortable lives in a 21st century liberal democracy? Or did it in fact chime with some of your feelings that uh, we're in difficult and dangerous times with a crumbling economy and dangerously unstable world leaders and the threat of nuclear exchanges and the near certainty of irreversible changes to the global ecology. I can understand that. I heard that, that llamas are going to bring about the end of the world. It's going to be apocalyptic. Sorry, sorry about that. It's a, I'm just an alarmist. <laughs> so, uh, any camel puns? No, seriously. <laughs> what I do want to say this morning is, is basically, basically that this passage, this reading, does have a distinct message of divine reassurance and comfort for believers living through all times of fear and anxiety, all times. And I'll do my best to make that clear before the end of the world. No, no, so, so, so sooner than that, short one. Uh, what we've just read is a, is a small but not insignificant um, part of a vein of uh, apocalyptic biblical literature, literature passages that have attracted a great deal of attention, usually on the fringes of religious denominations. So we could, uh, we could look at or run a mile from the end of the book of Daniel, 
the Revelation of John, and a whole bunch of non-canonical works such as Enoch and Ezra and Baruch, and our, of course our reading today, the first part of Luke chapter 21, which like Matthew seems to draw on St. Mark's so-called little apocalypse. Um, but as is so often the case, each gospel writer has his own emphases, and Luke has a particular way with the material that I believe makes it far more accessible and relevant than florid predictions of cosmic upheaval and cataclysmic uh, destruction. A tractor passed me in a country lane, and the driver was shouting, the end is nigh, we're all doomed. Somebody said, oh, that's just Farmer Geddon. <laughs> I know it. It gets worse. <laughs> of course, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, people were making end of the world jokes like there's no tomorrow. But uh, the end of the world, <laughs> the end of the world has certainly taken root in popular imagination. Nostrada Nostradamus and the Mayans and Year 2K, remember that? Uh, and Morgan Freeman in Deep Impact. They all fed the fearful fascination with the end of life as we know it. Although, to be fair, Armageddon from uh, 1988 is a superior end times movie. Uh, then there's the more recent uh, Don't Look Up, a uh, satirical black comedy about the destruction of Earth by an asteroid that too many people in power have reasons to ignore. But in truth, and, and this is not to downplay the crises that we face, is not the pattern of human civilization and the nature of the human psyche to be periodically caught up in times which seem like the end of the world. When the Vikings swept through the north of Britain, when uh, pillaging and burning, was it not the end of the world? When the Mongol hordes swept through Europe in the 13th century, committing some of the most deadly acts of mass killing in, in human history, many will have said it's the end of the world, when a third, some say up to half of the population of Europe perished from the bubonic plague, medieval leaders, religious leaders rushed to pronounce God's final judgment. But I was really struck by this observation from the writer Margaret Atwood. It's the end of the world every day for someone. It's the end of the world every day for someone. I'll come back to that. Because here's the thing with our passage from Luke. Luke was writing some 20 to 30 years after one of the most cataclysmic events in the history of the Jewish nation, the utter destruction of the great temple in Jerusalem uh, at the end of a bitter and vicious siege by the Romans in AD 70. The temple, of course, was one of the great wonders of the ancient world. It was a project of Herod the Great from the year 20 BCE. And you can safely say that it would have been, for those who saw it, mind-boggling in scale, magnificent, hugely impressive, coming in from the country from whatever. You would just be blown away by it. And its destruction, along with the center of the Jewish nation, must have seemed like the end of the world must have seemed like the judgment that was so powerfully predicted by some of the prophets. 
Yet Luke's readers would have lived through this event. And Luke's task, as I see it, was to convey the words of Jesus so that they could bring comfort and understanding. Now, bear with me here. Luke does not predict, sorry, bear with myself. Luke does not present Jesus predicting the apocalypse, the eschaton, the end times, not so much as Jesus foreseeing the trials and tribulations of believers in dark times. And these trials and tribulations are, are exactly the ones that Luke records in the book of Acts. Persecution, betrayals, and arrests, great witnessing by believers, and indeed execution and martyrdom. Luke wants to show that all of these were announced by Jesus. And moreover, of course, these things, they follow in the train of the rejection of Jesus. And it is indeed the spirit of the exalted, the risen Jesus, who provided the powerful words of witness. No need to prepare your defense in advance. As Luke said, as Jesus said. And, and what is the primary attribute or virtue required of believers at the end of this? By your endurance, you will gain your souls. Endurance. Well, this can sound like mere stoicism, um, kind of macho bravery. This kind of endurance is, is more than that. It's deeper than that. Endurance requires, I think, keeping things in perspective. Yes, there are wars and catastrophic political upheavals then as now. The Jewish war and the destruction of the temple were catastrophic for the Jewish nation. And Jewish followers of Jesus most likely would have felt no less distressed about it. And yet, Jesus is quite explicit. Even such a devastating event does not undermine, does not even explain the purposes of God. And just so, there have always been wars and violent conflicts. Global media now funnels it into our phones to bring it so terribly close. But they do not mean the end. Earthquakes famines, pandemics, there have always been such things. The end is not yet. Speculating on the timing of the end is fruitless, it can be a morbid distraction. And trusting in the purposes of God instead is part of this endurance. Easy to preach, harder to find when in Margaret Atwood's saying, it's the end of the world every day for someone, and that someone is you or one you love. But Paul prays this for the Ephesian believers. We were looking at this together in the Vestry Away Day. That they may be rooted and established in the love of Christ. Rooted and established in love. He does not mean just love that you receive, important and healing, though that is. He does not mean just love that you express and live out, vital though that is. As a great tree draws its, through its roots on water deep underground, we are to be rooted and established in love that stems from, draws on, is indeed part of the virtual, incomprehensible love of Christ. So to end this reflection on the end of the world tribulations, let me read 
part of that prayer of Paul in Ephesians chapter 3. He prayed for them, I pray that out of the Father's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This has to be my answer to the fear of destruction, to the challenge of maintaining hope in dark times, to facing an end of the world whenever it occurs for each one of us, that together with all the Lord's holy people, may we grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. In Christ's name, amen. we come before God in our prayers let us just be aware and conscious of those words that love of Christ that we are centered and grounded and established in that love that no matter where we are in this world whatever we might be going through, that the love of Christ is right there. And as we pray for our world, let's pray for that love and that peace to be known. especially on this day, remember a Sunday. Let's pray for peacemakers across the nations, across the world. People with not just knowledge, but wisdom. To be able to speak at the right time and in the right way and through prophetic means. Let's may pray for peacemakers at this moment with COP27 taking place in Egypt. There will be those who are peacemakers not just in this world among the nations but in terms of this earth, this planet, this creation, God's gift to us of nature. May we be at peace with nature. May we be at one with one another and all that is around us. 
May we respect each other. Every nation, every culture, every faith, every gender. May we respect all of creation. We pray for uh, peacemakers here in our communities, for those who are seeking to uh, bring about hope and that love in different ways. Those who are working here in Leith, in Edinburgh, and in Scotland, for the various projects among us here that are reaching out to those who are the uh, newly arrived refugees and those who are uh, new, the new Scots who are coming in into Scotland here at this time. May they sense welcome. May they sense warmth. May they sense that love, the love of God. And for those who it seems like it's the end of the world or facing difficulty and hardship and not sure how they're going to pay their bills, not sure how they're going to survive this winter. May there be hope. May there be peace in their hearts and in their homes, in their families. There's a table at the back of the hall here, and later on, I'd like to invite you, for those who want to, you don't have to, but to go and light a candle. And as you light a candle, as you hold it in your hand, to be able to pray. Pray for God's peace in the areas that I've mentioned. Pray for God's peace in your heart, for that love of Christ that it will shine in and through you in this coming week. There's also a bowl with some stones there. Take one of the small stones, hold it in your hand, and pray for somebody that you might be aware who's going through a really tough, hard time. Might be illness, might be sickness, might be a breakdown in a relationship. It might be to do with their work. As you hold that, let go of it and pray for them into the bowl with the floating candles. Place it out of your small hand into God's mighty loving hand. Place those people or those individuals or those families, those communities. And also on that table there's a, a plate with some Asian sweets, some jalebis. As you take a piece of sweet, pray for that sweetness to come into our communities, into our world, into our creation, where creation is suffering. May there be peace in our oceans, in our trees, in our mountains all that we see around us. Maybe take a sweet and pray for God's sweetness 
in your home, in your family, and in your community. You can do all of those things later on or none of them. Once you take communion, and as you've taken it, go to the table after that. And you can do those things in any order. You can do all of them or just maybe one of them. May you be blessed with love and peace and free from all suffering. In Christ's name, amen. We break this bread for broken relationships, discord and violence between different groups and peoples. And in the breaking of the bread, we remember our common God-given humanity so that we may work for peace with justice and truth. Broken things for broken people, holy things for holy people. pray that you would help us to be rooted and grounded and established in that vast pool of love, of Christ's love, so that we may have hope in difficult dark times. And as we as a community are rooted 
and grounded and established in that love, we may communicate the breadth and strength, the height and depth of that love to others in our community and whom we come into contact at our places of work, schools, or wherever that might be. Amen. Amen. Amen.